We all know that the Friedrich Rebbe had tremendous Maseris Nefesh for Yiddishkeit. But we don't necessarily appreciate how profound that Maseris Nefesh is until the Rebbe explains it to us, linked to the double parasha Chukas Bolak and aligned with the three major chapters of the Friedrich Rebbe's leadership. The Rebbe often quotes the Shalom who teaches us that every special occasion, whether it be a Yontav or even a rabbinic special occasion on the Jewish calendar, always related to the parashas when those particular events happen. From which we can derive as the celebration and festival of the Friedrich Rebbe's redemption. Uh, liberation from the Stalinist prisons, which happened over the 12th and 13th of Tammuz, and the Rebbe Deshveris in Ganze Bafreid Givorim from Saimais and Golis, when his liberation was complete, from the Parashas Chukas Bolak is related to Parashas Chukas Bolak, where it often falls out. And as we'll see, there's a relationship to Chukas, a relationship to Bolak, and a relationship to how the Parashas come together. And in them, the three areas to focus on. Which will be the lion's share of the Sicha, what Chukas teaches us about understanding that will also then appreciate how Bolak helps us to, appreciate, to, to understand the Friedrich Heber's story of Messias Nefesh, and then Gimel de Shaychus Abedah Sejus Tzazam, and the fact that the two of them come together, Varun Vigret Filmol, because also something the Rebbe has discussed numerous times is, when Tzvei Sejus Animech Boris, when there are two parishes that are linked, and therefore we read them simultaneously on one Shabbos, then it's not two different parishes. On that Shabbos, it actually becomes a single long parasha. We still only read seven, call up seven people to the Torah across the two parishes. And as is done, there's also just one after for both of the parishes together. Which leads us to understand in addition to whatever the theme might be of Chukas on its own and Balak on its own, is doing there's also a common theme between both of the parishes, which is how it's possible that these two could come together to become a single parasha. In context of our conversation, so therefore the link between Yudbeis and Gimel Tamas is not only to Chukas and not only to Bolak, but also to the two parishes as they come together. It's especially highlighted this year where Yudbeis Tamas falls in the week of this double parasha, Chukas Bolak. So we'll start with Chukas, understand what Chukas means, the word, the principle, the theme that it conveys, how that relates to Yudbeis Tamas, and then from there, Bolak, and then the combination of the two. Chukas will be the anchor. The nomen from the Ersha Sedre is Chukas, as we well know, the first parasha is called Chukas, which means the posture taich from Chukas is what is a choik? It is an instruction given by Hashem without any rational explanation. The only reason that we fulfill this particular mitzvah is because the Ebesh just said so. This is the law that the Ebesh made. This is the, de- the decree he decreed. And thus there are some from the Ebesh and it's what the Ebesh wants. We do it. So Chukas represents a complete dedication to Hashem. I don't need to understand it in order for me to commit to do it. Therefore, 
We could therefore understand how Chukas could speak to the theme of Messias Nefesh, because Messias Nefesh, the willingness to sacrifice ourselves or our interests for Hashem, starts off by saying, I'm not going to limit my Judaism to what I understand. I'll even do things that Hashem expects of me that are beyond my understanding. The nature of the rational mind is it can be used as a tool to get us to do something that we can see the benefit of, how it's going to add to our lives. But the intellect is never going to explain, oh, you know, it actually makes sense to give up, to throw away your life, to lose your identity. By the way, that's why there is no direct mitzvah in the Torah to have Messias Nefesh, for obvious reasons. The entire concept of Torah, specifically the written Torah, is divine wisdom. And the principle of Messias Nefesh is beyond wisdom. So the key to being able to have Messias Nefesh is the attitude of Chukah. I'll do what the Ebrister says, absolutely. So that's the easy link between the story of Yitbezi Gimotamas, which is the story of the Friedrich Rebbe's Messias Nefesh, the Avoida of Chukah, with the parish of Chukas. The Friedrich Rebbe's work to spread Torah in that place, behind the Iron Curtain, was the far Ottoman spirit, which is what caused them to arrest him, is given an anoifim from Chukas. That was an avoidus Hashem, which is Chukas. Mit Messias Nefesh, it took absolute sacrifice, completely beyond the rational expectations. Think about it this way. The Friedrich Rebbe, as an individual, stood up to the laws of an overwhelmingly powerful regime. Especially when you consider that it was near impossible to leave the country. So the Friedrich Rebbe is standing up against the government where there is no escape and the government is really powerful and against him. It doesn't make sense. Nevertheless, now the rational mind would say there's absolutely no room to do what the Friedrich Rebbe did. But that's exactly the point. The Friedrich Rebbe went with an attitude of Messias Nefesh. We're going to do what we have to do to spread Yiddishkeit at whatever cost, even if it does not make sense. That's the general link to Chukas. Let's drill down into the word Chukah or Chukas and understand it even more specifically. Even though the Pasuk that introduces this parasha says, This is the law of Torah. We don't actually call it that. Colloquially, we just call it Chukas Stam. The time the roof came in Zogan, and there's a reason for it. The Chukah from Para Aduma, the core mitzvah of this parasha, which is the Para Aduma, which is a choik, there are other chukim in the Torah that are super rational, but have some kind of a link back to a rational explanation. The Paraduma has none 
at all. Was der Farat Afir Shleim HaMelech, the Chacham Mikol Adam Gezakt. That's why you find Shleim HaMelech, the wisest person ever, said, I'll call Eliyom Ati. All the other Chukim, I was able to come to some kind of an understanding. Or Parsha Shaparaduma, where is this one? The story of Paraduma, this week's Parsha. Or Marte Achakma, I said I'd be wise enough to be able to understand it. Vehira Chokami Meni, and it is completely beyond me. So the Chukah of Paraduma is in a category of its own. Generally, Chukim represents. Present Avoida, which is the Mainimitamadas and Masiris Nefesh. Paradum is in a unique category even within that world. That's why the Pasuk says, This one, this is Chokasatera. As the Mitzvah from Paraduma is the Einzige Chokah from Gans Tera, this is the one and only true Chok in the whole of Tera. Because even relative to other Chokim, this is inexplicable. This is the one that really stands in the category of being totally outside of the bounds of anything rational. That explains why we call the parasha chukas, not linking it as an adjective of chukas ha Why do we do that? Because yes, any choik is beyond the rational mind. But the rational mind is capable of acknowledging as the mensch that a human shouldn't always lean on his personal understanding. But sometimes has to also do things that he doesn't understand. In the same way as I suppose a parent can tell a child sometimes the things you have to trust me and the parent just do it even if you don't understand it. But the mind will only tolerate the possibility of doing something which makes no sense as long as the thing that makes no sense is not counterintuitive. As long as the human mind can say, look, I don't understand it, but somebody or somewhere in another level of wisdom, there is an explanation, fine, I'll accept the higher authority. Not only is paraduma super rational, it's counter rational. Right? A whole lot of the processes make absolutely no sense. It's not just that humans don't understand paraduma, but don't worry, somewhere else there is an explanation. No, even in the chokma of Torah, there is no explanation for paraduma. This is the ultimate choik, because this is where a person, a Jewish person who fulfills this mitzvah, is doing so only out of absolute dedication and complete surrender to Hashem. That is a choik. That's what we really mean when we speak about chukas. And that is the type of mysterious nefesh the Friedrich Rebbe has. Because there are actually two different types of mysterious nefesh which exist. There is the mysterious nefesh that a person could have with a rational basis. Yes, it'd be a holy rational basis of a forta cheshman. But it doesn't matter what kind of rational basis it is, there is seichel. There is some calculation involved. What does that mean? As Edom and Gate of Messias Nefesh, that means a person is about to say, Look, I'm willing to dedicate my life to Hashem at all costs, 
if the Torah expects it of me. So you first consult the Does the Torah expect me to have Messias Nefesh in this scenario? If yes, I'll do it. If not, I won't. So if it's Yeharik Va'al Yavor, okay, Amen. If it's something which is maybe you know, a chalal olav Shabbos achas or something like that, you know, that uh, maybe it's better for me to break this law so I can continue to live. Maybe I won't have Mrs. Nefesh. And das is chokas ha-Torah. That's what we allude to when we talk about the adjective, a choik within Torah. Says the chokah Mrs. Nefesh, chokah represents complete sacrifice. But in this case, it's chokim as designed and delineated by the Torah. Aligned with holy rationale. So it's absolutely Messias Nefesh with rules and limits. There's a completely different style of Messias Nefesh. It has no limits, no thought process that contains it. That is not called That's just complete chuk, complete dedication to Hashem without any restriction whatsoever. This is a level of dedication that is even beyond what is called Because in order to have this level of dedication, you've got to call on the essence of your neshama. The source of our neshama is actually from a higher designation than the source of the Torah. And this is not Hasidus, this is in Igla de Torah, the very well-known statement, that the thought, which is the root of the Jewish people, preceded the thought, the root of any other thing Torah included. When we speak about the essence connection between a Jew and Hashem, it's not a connection built through Torah or structured by Torah. That produces a mysterious nefesh that is completely beyond any calculation or any thought process whatsoever. It is this kind of Messias Nefesh that the Friedrich Rebbe had. Not ordinary Messias Nefesh, which may have existed across many uh, examples in history. This is the unique, absolute Messias Nefesh where I cannot detach from Hashem and therefore I'm going to do things that even Torah wouldn't necessarily be able to explain. Let's see how this plays out in practice in the Friedrich Rebbe's life. There are many, many areas that the Friedrich Rebbe worked with Messias Nefesh in order to achieve. He sent Rabbonim and Shechnum to places that lacked them. He established mikvahs, gindin yeshivas, falter bochrim, made yeshivas, chadon as well as schools. But where was the main issue that the government had with the Friedrich Rebbe? Which led obviously to his incarceration. The government didn't take such exception to the Friedrich Rebbe's involvement in spreading Judaism amongst adults. 
The real battlefront was they took issue with the Friedrich Rebbe investing in the education, Torah education of children. And regardless of all the danger that that posed to the Friedrich so even though that was the most dangerous part of the Friedrich Rebbe's work to establish education, Torah education for children, that's Dafka where the Friedrich Rebbe put in the most energy, most enthusiasm, the most work. You could ask a question. Of course, you have to engage in strengthening and spreading Torah and Yiddishkeit in Russia. But why do you choose to go down the route where you have the least chance of success? The whole government is focused on stopping this particular area, educating children. Surely the priority should have been first areas where even in the natural course you could imagine some success. Why would the Friedrich Rebbe invest all of his effort in the one area of outreach that theoretically could threaten all the other areas of outreach? And it's a huge, perplexing thought. How could the Friedrich Rebbe potentially jeopardize the spreading of Torah and educate, educating of adults who are obligated, they're over by mitzvah, they're obligated to do Torah mitzvahs, in favor of the education of children who are not yet obligated to do Torah mitzvahs. This should not have been the strategy of how to keep Judaism alive under Stalin's nose. So why did the Friedrich Rebbe go this way? The Friedrich Rebbe's dedication to Torah, dedication to Hashem, was true chukas. As we've explained, where the Messias Nefesh doesn't first have to have parameters and logic and a basis. It's just absolute dedication to what Hashem wants. The Friedrich Rebbe identified and knew what his shlichus was. The Friedrich Rebbe identified that he is the Nasi, he is therefore responsible for the entire Jewish nation. If you want to ensure the future of a Jewish nation, you have to invest in the education of, the, of their children. As the famous Gemara tells us, if they are not kids, they won't be goats. So therefore the Friedrich Rebbe went all in to ensure the education of children. Yeah, if you think about it logically, following the course of nature, it did not seem like there were great prospects for the endurance of this particular shlichus. It didn't look like it would last, it didn't look like it would be effective. So yeah, you're right. If the Friedrich Rebbe had followed the rules of a logical, Torah-based logical approach to, to his Messias Nefesh, he would have said, this actually doesn't make sense and maybe I shouldn't prioritize it.
But that's not the fruit of Rebbe's Messias Nefesh. Seeing as the fruit of Rebbe's Messias Nefesh was absolutely beyond anything that is rational, is in Demnit so therefore, it wasn't relevant to start processing a logical process. What are the prospects of success? What are the prospects of him being able to escape the net of the government? That's the Abishta's business. My business is, I have to do what I have to do. We have a precedent in history. who were being forced by Nebuchadnezzar to bow to an idol. They responded. They said, if we deserve it, they would somehow miraculously save us. But if not, if Abish is not going to save us, that's Abish's business. But our message is we cannot bow to an idol. There's nothing to discuss. In their mind, they understood if they're not going to be saved from Nebuchadnezzar, it's not because Nebuchadnezzar has power or even choice in the matter. That's the Eivishter's decision that they would have to And Nebuchadnezzar would simply be the agent that the Eivishter would use. And that's the Friedrich Rebbe's mindset. I have to do what the Abishta wants. I know my shlichus. I have to do it absolutely without any compromise, without overanalyzing it. The Abishta has to take care of whether or not that, that should work in my favor or not. Now, it's obvious to us that the Friedrich Rebbe had incredible Messias Nefesh when living in Stalinist Russia, but on observation we're going to discover that this tremendous Messias Nefesh the Friedrich Rebbe had played out in two completely different scenarios over two other of the three decades of his leadership. We know that the Friedrich Rebbe was Rebbe for 30 years, and that was split into three decades of completely different focuses of Avoida. The first decade approximately was primarily about spreading Yiddishkeit with absolute risk to his life. After that, the Friedrich Rebbe lived in areas, Poland and so forth, which had great Jewish populations. Without all the restrictions of Soviet Russia, so it was an ideal and fertile ground to spread Hasidus without limits. But the truth is, there were limits. Was is given different limits to what happened in Stalinist Russia. Internal strife, internal other members of the Jewish community who opposed the Friedrich Rebbe. And the Rebbe wissen die Kasse, wie oft schon mal es hat dort als David hat ich dort aufgelegt auf ihm die Schlüssel von der Fortsetzung So in spite of the fact that the Friedrich Rebbe had all kinds of opposition from other Jewish quarters, he understood that the Eibishter still wanted him to fulfill the same shlichus of spreading Yiddishkeit and specifically spreading Chassidus. He had just as much Messias Nefesh as in Russia to fulfill his shlichus in Poland. The third decade of the Friedrich Rebbe's leadership happened in the so-called lower hemisphere of the world, in other words, in the United States. Where the overarching attitude for decades, 
and for generations, was that America is a different place where Judaism is no longer relevant in the way that it was. The prevailing attitude was, this is not a land in which you could actually conduct yourself as a Jew as you should. So there the Friedrich Rebbe had to literally swim upstream against a tremendous pushback to plant and engage in Torah mitzvahs and establish systems, schooling systems, yeshiva systems, etc., etc., in an environment that seemed completely ill-suited to it, that it seemed that it, this would be an impossible task. So, what's important to note over here is that there is absolute, unlimited mysterious nefesh in all three situations. It's not like, oh, it became easier. Although Friedrich Kreber invested less of himself in the mysterious nefesh in these different scenarios. It's just that the way the mysterious nefesh played out is unique from decade to, de- to decade or scenario to scenario. It's clear that life in Poland and in America was nothing like life in Russia, and the Messias Nefesh was different. Because in Russia, the Friedrich Krebs Messias Nefesh centered on real risk, not only to his life, or noch mehr. In seiner Wurzel hat er Arbeit damals, hat er eingestellt, nicht nur sein eigenes Leben. In the Friedrich Krebs' work in Russia, not only did he put his own life on the line, he also sent other people to do shlichus, then endangered their lives. For a Rebbe, that kind of mysterious nefesh, to put other people's lives at risk, to put other people's lives at risk, was much more profound and much more difficult than risking his own life. It's one thing if a person wants to, you know, but a, a, a rebel has so much love for every single year to put other Yidin's lives in danger was a tremendous mysterious nefesh. Und noch mehr. Seine Gewerden fallen, wenn er solche Schluchim seinen entdeckt geworden von der Memmischola. There were, as we know, many instances where the Friedrich Rebbe's Schluchim were exposed by the government. Seine Fahr Urteil geworden zu Verschickung, zu Peinigung, and they were sentenced to either exile or to various forms of punishment. And then the next morning, Friedrich Rebbe would have to have again the same dedication of Messias Nefesh to replace the exposed representative with a new Shliach who now was possibly in graver danger because the eyes of the NKVD were now directed to this particular institution, that particular project. In spite of how intensely difficult that mysterious nefesh was for the Friedrich Rebbe, the second stage of his leadership was more subtle, but in a sense, a more difficult kind of mysterious nefesh. Because he had the Friedrich Rebbe had to stand up to the, contest, the contesting of his work by his own fellow Yidden. Why do you do things this way? Why not differently? And yet the Friedrich Rebbe kept his focus 
und continue to do his avoida, dass es mir mit der Dua noch schwerer wie der Friedekunde und vor der Tiefert nur von Messias Nefesh. To be able to stand up to a fellow Jew, to be able to stay focused when great leaders are speaking differently, that in a sense requires a deeper Messias Nefesh. Und Gott anders ist die Tnufa Messias Nefesh in der dritte Tukufa. Und dann, again, a completely different Messias Nefesh in the third decade and phase of the Friedrich Rebbe's leadership. Wenn man hat gedacht, gegen Kegnem Strom, where the Friedrich Rebbe had to literally fight against this overwhelming stream moving away from Yiddishkeit, nicht despoil werden von dem Malegem, not to be bothered by those people who were the detractors from what he was trying to do. Und von die Sterre wachholen, people who try to interfere with his Avoider. Und nach dem allem hat der Rebbe sich nicht begnügt mit aufbauen die eigene Daladamas. And with all the opposition, the Friedrich Rebbe wasn't satisfied just to build up a healthy Chabad on American soil. Und dann sind sie gekommen, Jojazi, mit der Hatzor, sich einschließen in der Vanias, in der Zalti. People came up with ideas. This is what you should do. Make sure you just be happy after what's happened on the other side of the ocean, that you can at least preserve a Chabad community. Pick your battles. You can't fight against the entire world. The Friedrich Rebbe wasn't happy just to look after himself. He went on the offensive to go and establish a Jewish presence, a Torah presence in America. Now here's the thing. When you have different areas of focus, we can expect some people are better at standing up against a regime than standing up within the Jewish community. Some people can fight assimilation, but they would never tolerate the, the threats of Stalin. The natural way that humans are designed, it's not natural for one person to be equally dedicated with Messias Nefesh in completely different arenas. Because if there's a particular kind of avoider that you are predisposed to or you are naturally enthusiastic about, you'll obviously have more Messias Nefesh in that arena than you'll have in a different arena where you don't have the same enthusiasm or focus or predisposition. How is it that you have one person, the Friedrich Rebbe, with equal Messias Nefesh in completely different environments? Is das boring them? Let's go back to the original thing that we said about Chukas. This is the point of Chukas. The Friedrich Rebbe's Messias Nefesh is the radiance of the essence of his Neshama which is absolute Messias Nefesh, not Chukas HaToyra, Messias Nefesh that makes sense within the rubric of Judaism. This is absolute Messias Nefesh. So it's not that the Friedrich Rebbe had Messias Nefesh for a particular situation, it's that the Friedrich Rebbe is Messias Nefesh at the core of his being. Und der Rebbe ist kein Chilek, nicht gewinnen, was verratziert der Kirch von Messias Nefesh hat sich gedacht unten. So it's irrelevant how the Messias Nefesh has to express itself, that's detail. And here then, Eufen Ahavid is given the Zelpa, Etzem de Messias Nefesh, whichever channel is being used to manifest the Messias Nefesh, doesn't undermine the fact that the Messias Nefesh is the core Messias Nefesh that comes from the essence of the soul. 
That's the message of Chukas. With that in mind, we can link the Friedrich Rebbe's story to Parshas Bolak. Why? The Shachas Vishen Dermach Hagagul and Parshas Bolak. Chazal Zogan has Bolak had fine kehad eden yoyser mikol sonim. Chazal tell us that Bolak was the greatest anti-Semite. Therefore, Otezich Vamosen Schlecht zu Tondi eden. That's why he calculated how he could harm the Jewish people, even though he knew that the Jews were not permitted to touch his land. In other words, there was no direct threat to him. And they had a direct divine instruction that they were not allowed to provoke his people into war. In other words, there's no threat whatsoever. It didn't matter. He simply couldn't tolerate the existence of Jewish people. Noch mehr. He is burning hatred. He's so powerful that even when he works out that he doesn't have the wherewithal to stand up to the Jewish people. So he doesn't stop there and say, okay, listen, I hate them. There's nothing I can do about it. He doesn't rest until he finds somebody who he believes can cause harm. This is very much what happened with the Friedrich Rebbe at the time he was arrested. Because the avoid of an avot Torah is given, spreading Torah was, with the Rebbe schreibt in seinem Abosten Brief zu Yudbeis Tamos, as the Friedrich Rebbe clearly says in his well-known letter of Yudbeis Tamos, completely legal. There was no law outlawing spreading Judaism. So how did he land up in prison, the Friedrich Rebbe? Because there were people who slandered the Friedrich Rebbe, because they had so much hatred for people who were dedicated to Yiddishkeit, and they actually went in an illegal route to have him arrested, because there was no law against spreading Yiddishkeit. It was like a Bilam reincarnation, in us, or a Balak reincarnation. Because these were people who simply couldn't handle the thought of a from Jew or the observance of Judaism. They worked so hard even against the law of the land as long as they could undermine what the Friedrich Rebbe wanted to do. And the story ended very similarly to how it does in the parasha. So in the same way as in the story of Balak and Bilam, not only did Balak not achieve his objective, which was orally to the contrary, the fact that he engaged Bilam to help him out actually turned the tables on him and brought brachas for the Eden. Under Bilam and Gufa, not just brachas, but Bilam being the one giving those brachas, and Bilam was an even greater anti-Semite than Balak. Omit brachas nalis not just ordinary brachas, but the most incredible brachas. The pasuk says that they should totally transform the extreme curse into extreme bracha. Al derech ze is given by the Bal Hagul of Asimcha. The same happened to the Friedrich Rebbe. As Yisrael mentioned, was Hoban der Rebbe are spirit, the exact same forces who arrested the Friedrich Rebbe. They alayim and Hoban gemust arayis helfen in sein shichur. They became the people who had to facilitate his release. Not only that, because they have sich gar ban mit as der Rebbe zal arayis for him for yerem medina. They're actually the ones who had had to then subsequently assist the Friedrich Rebbe to leave Russia altogether.
So the link to Chukas is the incredible Messias Nefesh that the Friedrich Rebbe had, which is not Chukas Atari, but Chukas Stam. And the link to Bolak is the way the story plays out in exactly the same way as Bolak. The hatred is the same and the miracle is the same. Now let's see what happens when you put the two of them together. Now we've got to see what is the link between your base Tammuz and the double parasha. That's going to give us a lesson for ourselves. The explanation is this. In the Snagdus was Balak, If you really want, you could find a justification for Balak's tremendous hatred of the Jewish people. Look at what he says. They're going to clean us out. They're going to kind of eat up all of our resources like a, an ox that when it eats, you know, it, it leaves nothing behind it. Also, we know that Bichlal, the people of Moyav, were afraid of the Yidin, as the Pasuk says, Okay, so you get it. We can understand where Balak is coming from. In the same way as we said, there's Chukas, is something which is irrational. Chukas Balak means Balak, this is Balak, is on Sechavatam. It is possible that there should be the kind of hatred to, to the Jewish people. That is Chukas Balak. Balak represents the hatred. Chukas Balak is an irrational hatred of the Jewish people. Now, in a way from Chukas. Not only is there no logical reason why there should be a hatred of the Yidin. Now, it says, But it's actually counter logic to do something negative to the Jewish people. Because it cannot work. Look at the story of Balak and specifically of Bilam. When we get finted the sip of Balak or Bilam, as Bilam had given us, Bilam knew before he began that there was no way he could succeed. He is a Navi who heard directly from Hashem, don't even attempt to curse the Jewish people because they are fundamentally blessed. He knew there's no way that he could curse the people, which he was hired to do. He tells Balak, I cannot go against what Hashem wants. Whatever they wish to put into my mouth, only that is what I can say. In spite of that, because he had this absolute core hatred of the Jewish people, he couldn't hold himself back. He tried to find a way to actually curse the Jewish people, knowing it's impossible. That's something that repeats internally inside every one of us. As we know, the famous teaching of the Friedrich Rebbe in Bossi Lagani. That there are crazy thought processes that Klipper produces in our minds, which are illogical. They're sublogical. Like many, many things that people do. Why? Simply because that's what everybody does. That's how the world conducts itself. Become these immutable laws that have absolutely no logical basis. Like the examples that Friedrich Gerber gives in Basile Like the time that people eat and the times that people sleep. Generally speaking, those are carved in stone. 
Yet at the same time, went to daven, went to, to learn. Oh, that's that's flexible. Sometimes, sorry, couldn't get to learn today. Nobody turns around and says, sorry, I didn't get to eat today. I didn't get to sleep today. It's completely irrational behavior. It's the bollock inside of us, the bilam inside of us. So the only alternative, the only antidote is chukas, which is that a person has to have a dedication to what they wish to want in a completely super rational way. And through that is that allows us the possibility of transformation. That what was this burning negative energy becomes a burning positive energy. The same forces who arrest the Friedrich Rebbe are the ones who have to release him. In fact, there's even a story in the, 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 the period that the Friedrich Rebbe was in prison that illustrates this point. So this chukas bolak, irrational behavior, played out in the Friedrich Rebbe story. Which must be Lulav, right? So one of the two Jewish people directly involved in the, in the Friedrich Rebbe's arrest. So he wanted He wanted to help the Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe, carry his bags at the time they were arresting him. What was his motivation? Zogendik, chassidim blam chassidim. He said, chassidim remain chassidim. Mine zeirot gitogni peklach far ayer zeirin. And Richvel togni the ayer pekel. My grandfather carried your grandfather's bags. I want to carry yours. Oichen ashpetlik afal atel in zayin reitz. Some rebbe named Angrof and rebbe. And there was also later on, as the Friedrich Rebbe records in his memoirs, there was a time where he addressed the Friedrich Rebbe as rebbe. The Rebbe had a similar experience where he says the person who slandered him at that time to the Tsarist authorities in order to have him arrested. And he also said Rebbe, talking about the Mitter Rebbe. And at that time the Mitter Rebbe said, It was a, like a, what we would call today a Freudian slip. His, his, his mouth exposed what he deeply understood to be the truth. That this is the Rebbe. The fact that this individual who arrested the Friedrich Rebbe is now saying, but I want to be like my grandfather and carry your bags. And he called him Rebbe. That's because deep down inside his Nishama, he knew the truth. And in spite of the fact that he knew the truth intrinsically, and especially after the fact that the Friedrich Rebbe warned him that what he was doing was self-destructive and would bring upon him terrible suffering in the future, which is what happened. Ultimately, these same people who were involved in the Friedrich Rebbe's arrest were eventually punished by the state. In spite of the, 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 the sensitivity to the fact that it's a Rebbe and the fact that Friedrich Rebbe warned him and he still went about his business and behaved the way that he did because it was his opposition like Bilam's opposition makes no sense but what, was the, what were they up against the, the Russians they were up against the Rebbe who had Masir's Nefesh Chukas 
absolute mysterious nefesh. completely outside of the realm of, of, of logic. They're completely neutralized all of their opposition. So the extent that the enemies are, you know, removed. The Rebbe doesn't finish the passage because it's a negative connotation. To the practical extent that they were the ones who had to liberate the Rebbe. And thanks to them, there's a new Yontav that the Jewish nation gets to celebrate. And that is such a powerful Yontav that it will eventually overturn the whole month of Tammuz to become a time of absolute celebration. Speedily, through our efforts as well to overcome our Stus de Klippe through the Stus de Kdusha and complete dedication to Hashem Namayim Mitavadas, which should help us to be part of the manifestation of the the Hafichas Hafichas Yomim Elu the Sasin Lasim Chalamayim Tovim.